want to welcome you if you're one of our guests today and like you to be a part of our Bible study. If you look in your program, you'll find an outline of our study they call the greatest miracle. You know, it was the miracles of Jesus that really opened up people's hearts. Over in John 10, 38, he said, if you don't believe me, he said, at least believe my miracles. Sometimes people, though, uh, don't really believe in the miracles of Jesus. There was an atheist one time who was talking to a Christian, and he said to him, he said, do you really believe all those miracles in the Bible? And the fellow said, yes, I do. He said, do you believe that uh, Joshua really made the sun stand still? And the Christian said, uh, yes, I do. He said, well, how did he do it? And he said, you know, I don't know. But he said, I get to heaven, I'll ask him. What if you get to heaven and he's not there? He said, well, then you could ask him. You know, you and I need to realize the power of the miracles of Jesus. In fact, in the New Testament, there are 39 different miracles that are recorded by our Lord in the things that He did to influence people to let them know that He really was the Son of God. And the message He brought was the message that God wanted brought. You see, the greatest miracle, I think, is the raising of Lazarus in John chapter 11. And the reason I think that is the greatest miracle is that that was the one that really pushed the religious leaders over the edge to decide that Jesus must die. In fact, they said not only would Jesus die, but we also ought to kill Lazarus as well because he has been resurrected by the Lord. James Boyce, in his uh, four-volume commentary on the book of John, when he came to this story in John chapter 11 of Lazarus, he said, We now come to the most impressive miracle in the gospel, the resurrection of Lazarus. So what I'd like you to do today, I'd like to take our Bible in John chapter 11, and I'd like, if you would, with me to, to follow that story of the resurrection of Lazarus, the greatest miracle, I believe, in the New Testament. Well, first of all, we find that John introduces us to his characters. That's in verses 1 and 2. Now, there was a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her tears. He said, now, I want you to know who we're going to be talking about. Now, if you go to a ball game or if you go to a play, you like to know who the characters are. And the characters in this story are Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, we don't know anything about Lazarus except what we find in John 11 and in John 12. Now, there is another man over in Luke 16 named Lazarus, but, but he is a beggar, and undoubtedly not this man that Jesus is here dealing with. These two sisters were very hospitable. I mean, they had the gift of hospitality, and they would open their home, and Jesus would preach in Jerusalem, and then in the evening He would come back to the little city of Bethany, which was about two miles outside of Jerusalem, and that's the place that He then would spend the day. Now, Mary was known because she was the one who put the perfume on the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached in all the world, this story will be told about her. And we find that Mary was what I would call an introvert. She was one, uh, she was around the feet of Jesus, evidently a very precious, sweet girl. But on the other hand, her sister Martha was what I would call an extrovert. 
I mean, she was one who was out doing things. You may remember that little story in, in Luke about the two sisters and Mary was at the feet of Jesus and Martha was in preparing the meal and Martha came in and said, tell my sister to get up and come in here and help me. Ah, she was that kind of a woman. She was a outgoing leader kind of a person. And Mary was a very sweet, gentle person, often finding her at the feet of Jesus. So here we have her characters, Lazarus, who is the male in the family. And these two ladies, evidently neither one of them uh, were married. Well, verses 3 through 6 then tell us about the call that comes for Jesus. We find that Lazarus is sick. And so the sisters, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Understand, if you will, that here these girls are, they were loved by Jesus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now as we see these sisters, they know how much Jesus loved Lazarus. And when he got very ill, they said, you know, the one that we need to call on is Jesus. They didn't call for a doctor, but they called for Jesus. Now, Jesus was at a place we find in the earlier part of John chapter 10, over in a place called Barbatha, which was a ford of the Jordan River. It was the place that Jesus had been baptized by John. Now, we don't know exactly how far it was. Some people think that it was about 20 miles from there back to Bethany. Others think it may have been as much as 60 miles and I'm kind of on that second stage, and I think probably it was about 60 miles. We find, though, that they thought the one they needed was Jesus. C.F. Andrews wrote a story about two World War II friends. And one of the friends had been wounded out in no man's land. And his friend who was in a foxhole saw his buddy out there, and he crawled out there, and he put his hand on him, and the man raised his head, and he said, I knew you would come. And that's the way the sisters are. They know that if they call for Jesus, that he will come. Kind of a strange thing, though, that Jesus said. He said, this sickness will not end in death, but so that the Son of God may be glorified. So they didn't understand what it was. But they knew that what Jesus was going to do was something that was going to bring glory to Him. You see, the uh, Apostle Paul, when he wrote over in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, out of the New Living Translation said, I want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. You see, children of God are people who, at a time of death, that's not a time when there is no hope. But because of their trust in Jesus and knowing in His power, they have hope even when there is death. And so Jesus said, this is going to enter into the glory of God and there's going to be hope in this family, though their son and their brother Lazarus has died. But in some kind of unusual, Jesus waited two more days after He got the message. Nobody knows for sure why that was, 
But many have thought that probably the reason was that Jesus wanted to make sure that Lazarus was dead and buried and that there was no doubt about the fact that he had really died. So we find that Jesus now is with the disciples and he then makes that decision that they are going to go. They're going to go, and beginning in verse 7, we find this reading concerning what Jesus did. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now, Judea was the state, and Bethany was a city within that state. Now, when Jesus gave them that message, they were kind of upset. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Now, if you'll turn over to John 10, verse 31, you find that's exactly what took place. They took up rocks, and they were going to stone Jesus. I mean, that was the way they were going to execute Him. But Jesus walked out of there, and they were unable to do so. And now the disciples says, you want to go back there? Lord, don't you remember what took place? Those people back there, they were wanting to stone you because they thought you were blaspheming God when you claimed that you were the Son of God. Lord, surely you do not want to go back there. But you see, Jesus knew exactly what He was doing. So skip on down with me, if you will, to verse 11. And in verse 11, we find that as Jesus speaks to His disciples, He says to them this, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Well, his disciples replied, Well, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. And I guess that's a normal thing to think, that if somebody is sick, if they can get some rest, then they will revive and come around. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So when he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go with him, that we may die with him. Now, here we find that Jesus knows exactly where he's headed, and he is going back so that he will be able to raise Lazarus. He said, he's asleep and I'm going to wake him up. Now they thought he meant natural sleep, but Jesus was talking about his death and about his resurrection. And although there were people who were going to stone him and kill him, Jesus still was determined to go. Now, Thomas speaks up. I don't know what you think about Thomas, but I want to tell you one thing about him. He was not a coward. And he said, let us, come on, fellas, we need to go with Jesus. We need to be there, and we will even die with him. So here was a resolute group of apostles. They were going to head back to Bethany so that they would be able to be there when Jesus was there. And if he needed help, then they were going to be able to help the Lord Jesus Christ. Pick up the reading now with me, if you will, in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Now, we find when Jesus got there that Lazarus had been dead for four days. 
Now, if Jesus had been 60 miles away, then He waited two days, and then 30 miles was a good day's walk, and another 30 miles was another good day's walk. So it had been at least four days, and they had taken Lazarus, and they had put him in the tomb, and they had buried him. It was a sad day that here we find that a good man had died. But the good news is this. The Bible says that there were a lot of friends who had come from Jerusalem out to Bethany so they might be able to comfort Mary and Martha in the loss. Let me tell you something. When you have somebody that you love die, there's not anything that is more helpful and encouraging than to have somebody that loves you come to help you and to help share in your grief. Let me tell you, if you have somebody who dies and you want to go and, and comfort them, you do not have to say anything. Sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, I'd like to go, but I don't know what to say. You don't need to say anything. Just the fact that you were there says it all. Several years ago, my father died up in Tulsa, and I was going to preach the funeral. And I got up to preach, and I looked, and out there, there were a group of men who had driven all the way from Amarillo to Tulsa to come to the funeral to encourage me. I want to tell you, that meant so much to me to have those fellows to know the effort and the energy they had put in it to come. And here they had come, you know, not with any great words of wisdom, but simply to be there to encourage me. And, and Mary and Martha, how blessed they were that they had friends who had, had made a journey all the way from Jerusalem out to Bethany so that they would be able to help these ladies and give them some encouragement. And I want you to know how important that is and how vital that is to have people who love you and surround you when you have a great loss. Well, we find then, number five, that uh, in verses 20 through 27, we find that Martha goes to see Jesus. And follow with me, if you will, this reading. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet Him, but Mary stayed at home. Now, we don't know all the story, how she heard it, but probably somebody who saw that Jesus was on the way went and he knew that the one that he needed to tell was Martha. Because Martha was a lady of action. And she was going to make sure that she was going to be able to see Jesus. And so Martha heads out to see Jesus. The Scripture says concerning this, uh, continue on with me if you will there, in uh, verse 21. Concerning Martha, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, when Martha sees Jesus, 
her first words are, Lord, if you had just been here, then Lazarus wouldn't have died. I, I've seen and know of the people that are sick that you've raised. And Lord, if you had been here, I know you would have been able to bring him through that sickness. Now, somebody asked, was she thinking about the resurrection? And uh, I think there's a question mark whether or not she was thinking about that or not. Because later when he is in the tomb and Jesus says, remove the stone, you know, she said, Lord, uh, he's been dead for four days. He's already going to be stinking. Don't, don't do that. So evidently she didn't think of the resurrection, but here it seems like she did. Now the Jews had very little information about the resurrection. Over in 2 Timothy 1 verse 10, Paul says that Jesus brought immortality to light through the gospel. So it wasn't until Jesus came that they really understood about the resurrection. Back in John chapter 5 verse 28 and 29, Jesus though had spoken these words and maybe Martha and Mary had heard the Lord when He had spoken about this when He said, Do not be amazed at this for a time is coming when all who are in the grave will hear His voice and come out. And those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. It may be that Martha and Mary had heard that, and so that's why they believed that there was going to be a resurrection, and that Jesus was going to bring to life those who had died. But as you read verse 25 and 26, there's kind of some confusing language here when Jesus says, And the one who believes in me will never die. Now, evidently, he did not mean physically. Because if he did physically, there'd be some awfully old people walking around the earth. But evidently, Jesus was talking about spiritually that although they die, they are going to live because Jesus will bring them back to life. As I read then in verse 27, Jesus said to her, Do you believe this? And, Mary, and Martha gave one of the two greatest confessions that are found in the Bible. She said, Yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that You are the Christ, or You are the Messiah. And I believe that You are the Son of God. That is, I believe that You are divine. And I believe that You are the one that the prophets foretold who was going to come. I wonder, could you have made that confession? Do you have a faith and an understanding of Jesus based on the truth in the Word of God? Jesus here was blessed in that Martha made this great confession about her Lord. We find then that Jesus, number six, is going to head to the tomb. And begin, if you will, with me in verse 28, and we see these words. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in her house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, you know, that was exactly the same thing that Martha said. Lord, if you had just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. 
And they both evidently were thinking along the same line in the same thing concerning what was going to take place. Follow on with me, if you will, then the reading in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He said, Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. When Jesus saw the scene here, he was deeply moved in his heart. And the Bible says that Jesus wept. We had a friend here a week ago who had a stroke. And they'd taken her to the hospital and they had been unable to revive her. And I've known the lady and her family for a long time. And her husband said to me, he said, you know, we been at church on Sunday night and we went down to Jason's and we had some fellowship and there were people from the colonies there and we all visited together and I, we went home, we opened the garage door and drove in and he said, we opened the door and there was some water, evidently something had overrun and she got some towels and started to wipe it up and I said, listen, let me go back for a minute then I'll come back and I'll take care of that. And he said he came back and she was just standing there with those wet towels in her arm and he said to her, Nola, are you okay? And she didn't say anything. And he said, I called 911. Within five minutes, they were there. And they put her in the hospital. And they battled, but they could not revive her. And she died. And as he was telling me that, I'm not a crybaby, but I began to cry. And I see Jesus as He is here with with his friends and, and people he loves, and they see that, that they have lost the Lord. They have lost their great friend, and the Lord loved him. And how sad it was that he had died. And the reaction to the Jews when they saw that was, they said, see how he loved him. And tears are not a sign of weakness. Tears are a sign of caring. You may remember the Lord said, I want you to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And then we find John's going to tell us the seventh miracle that he's going to tell us in his book. Maybe you remember that Jesus turned the water to wine. He healed a noble man's son. He healed a lay man at the pool of Bethsaida. He fed 5,000. He walked on water. And he healed a man who was blind from birth. And now the greatest miracle, I think, of all is that Jesus is going to raise and bring back to life his dear friend Lazarus, whom he loved. If you've got your Bible, you may want to follow with me the reading as it begins in verse 38 and goes down through verse 45. Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Now, I looked up and to see what I could find about that, and there is what we call rigor mortis that normally begins to set in the body in about three hours. 
But in 72 hours, they say that rigor mortis has gone all through your body and your body has begun the process of, of uh, being destroyed. And here he has been in the tomb for four days. Plenty of time for all of that decay and all of that uh, deterioration to take place. Verse 40. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus stood up and said, Father, I thank you that I, you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hand and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Would you like to have been there? Would you have liked to have seen this man who had been dead for four days in this tomb come out alive? A couple weeks ago I shared with uh, my staff in our staff meeting a little clip that was made about the raising of Lazarus. And they were moved by it. And I'd like to share that with you just briefly now. Can you imagine how it would be to have been there and to have seen Lazarus come out of the tomb alive? What a Lord we have. What a Savior we have in Jesus Christ. One in whom you can put your faith and trust Him every day of your life. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning, and maybe there's a way we could be of encouragement to you. Maybe you'd like to come and let it be known you'd like to be a part of our family, or maybe you'd like to come and confess your faith and become a Christian, become a part of the family of God. Any way we could be of encouragement to you, I'll be at the front, our elders will be at the back, and we can serve you in any way. Let me encourage you to do so as we stand and sing our song of invitation together. Bring Christ your broken life, so marred by sin, He will create you, make whole again. Your empty, wasted years, He will restore, and your iniquities remember no more. Let's be seated, please.